Take your Bible and turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 2. Just a few verses I want to look at that we also looked at during Sunday school time. And why Jesus took upon flesh. Because I want to speak tonight on the basic principles of a subject that you and I ought to um, be interested in. D-E-A-T-H. We're going to die. Isn't that something wonderful to talk about? You know, most people never want to talk about that. But uh, it does change things. You'd be surprised how you could be going along and all of a sudden, you know, when you're dead, it changes things. For you and your loved ones. But here in the book of uh, Hebrews in chapter 2, look in verse 9. It says, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. Now, when that verse is quoted from the book of uh, Psalms in chapter 8, is add something in here on this verse. You see up there in verse 7 when he quotes that verse from back there in Psalms. Thou made him a little lower than the angels. But it didn't say that other part. It left it out. Thou crowneth him with glory and honor. And it leaves the other part out. When it refers to man. But when it refers to the son of man. Look down in verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. See that was added in. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, and then it added this in, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. God has shown grace to every man. The grace of God that bringeth salvation to the world and teaches us an awful lot of things about what it's like to live by grace. And so there's... Um, Verses in the Bible that talks about why Christ did what he did. For the suffering of death, that he might taste death for every man. And the reason he did that is so that he could um, bring us into glory. See what it says in verse 10? For it became him of whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory. Now it makes a statement in the Peter in chapter 3, that uh, he was quickened by the Spirit, raised from the dead, you know, that he might bring us to God. So that he could bring us to God. So he had to die and pay for our sins because that was what was keeping us from being able to come to God. And then you notice what he says in verse 11. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And the reason is because, you see, once you trust Christ as Savior, you're made pure and holy because of what he did. So he's not ashamed of you because he has established you as his child, born into his family. And uh, God talks about how that uh, you were given to the Son. The Father hath given you to the Son. That's why he says, him that cometh me, I will know why he's cast out. Because the Father gave you and I to the Son. So he saves us and he gives us to the Son. We are in the inheritance when you read the first psalm. Now notice what else he says. He goes down here and he makes a statement in verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. 
In other words, if he can conquer death, then the devil has no more power. Because the power of the devil is that he can take your life. You're going to die. But Christ comes back from the dead. Therefore, he has power over the devil. And that's how you know. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. There's an interesting verse here. Because when we talk about death, you know that is, that is so final. As far as this world is concerned, that is so final. Do you realize, and I, I wrote a couple of things down. It's not on your notes, it's on mine own. When can death happen? When can death happen? Hmm? Once a year. But if you make it past that, you're good for another year. Wouldn't that be great? I made it another year. When can death happen? At any time. At any time. And remember this. The devil may not stop you from serving the Lord. The lust of the flesh you may have gotten victory over and you have been faithful serving the Lord. You said, those are your enemies. The lust of the flesh, that old son, and he's your enemy. The devil, that's your enemy. The love of the world, that's your enemy because they're enemies because they're trying to stop you from reaching your goal. And that is serving the Lord with all your heart. And you may get victory over these things. You may have gotten victory over the temptations of the flesh. And you have been found faithful and you are doing a good job. But the Bible says in verse 26, of 1 Corinthians 15, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Now, this is the enemy that's going to do you in. If the Lord should tarry and the rapture doesn't take place in our lifetime, death is going to do you in. He is going to take your life. And whenever your life has been taken, if you've ever wondered... As I run this race that has been set before me, we don't always know where the finish line is. Isn't that something to run a race and you don't know where the finish line is? Well, the finish line is when you die. When Jesus sat on the cross, it is finished. What did he do? He died. Why? It's finished. When you're running your race... Paul said that I may finish my course with joy. Finish my course. What do you think? Where's the line when you say, I finished? When you die. When you die. It's over. You can't run the race anymore. You don't get to have any of those other. The last enemy, which is death, just stopped you. And now you can't serve the Lord here in this world, in this life, because death is an enemy of ours. But we don't have to be afraid of this last enemy. So you see, when he makes the statement there in Hebrews in chapter 2, it says, because of this enemy that we have, we have and we live our whole life in fear of this last enemy. But you see, if um, you can die and come back again, then you don't have to fear dying because you can live again, never to die again. So we don't have to be afraid of this last enemy. But we should understand the value of the life that God's given us to live. Knowing that one of these days, there's a finish line. 
Death is going to come to us all. If God should dare you, we are going to die. And I think that's important to remember. And that death can happen at any time. Now, I want you to look at the first thing here. In the book of Psalms. So just go ahead and open up the psalm. We won't um, comment too much on the 23rd Psalm, but there's a few things in there that I think would be important. And some of this I have looked at before and commented on, but we're going to take a look at it from a different point of view. When he makes a statement there in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now look at number one, something that you need to accept. And that is facts that you cannot change. You can't alter this. Death is a decided fact. Hebrews chapter 9, when it makes the statement, um, it is appointed unto every man once to die and then after this the judgment. Appointed unto every man once to die. Now, if the rapture takes place, that will be an appointment we don't have to keep. But chances are, there's a lot of people before us that was looking forward for the rapture. But it didn't happen in their lifetime. The reason that uh, Hank's not the pastor here anymore is because he died. The reason Ray is not doing anything anymore because he, he's dead. And how many others that I know that I known for over the years, they've died. So they can't do anymore. They're, they're, all their soul went in, they're not doing anymore here. I mean, all their dreams and hopes and whatever they wanted, it's gone. You see, we are fortunate that we have opportunities while we live. There was a man in the Old Testament that was going to die. And he went to the Lord and he begged the Lord to let him live. So Lord, if I die, how can I praise you? How can I do anything for you? How can I honor you when if I'm dead? God gave him how many more years? Huh? Fifteen more years. He would probably have been better off if he just went ahead and died. But look at this statement. Yea, though I walk. It didn't say nay. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Like I've had God give me victory over the temptations and over the devil and over, you know, the lust of the flesh and all those things and the love of the world. And I've had victory in all these areas, but this last one I can't have victory over. Well, if you die and the moment you die, you live. There's no difference in there. You never really have died. Moment you take your last breath, absent from the body, Present with the Lord. And he said, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. So you'll never be forsaken. You're only leaving the body. But you need to remember this. Yea, though I walk through the valley. 
And then I put this in there. Attitude is very important. Don't you think attitude is very important by how you face things? One of these days, it won't matter how we talk about how brave we're going to be until the day comes. There's a song that Dr. Curtis Hudson heard when he came to our church. Me and Betty got up and we sung a song called New Grace. In other words, grace I've never needed before. We got grace to live and have victorious Christian lives in so many ways. And, but when I die, God will give me new grace to fight that last battle. And that I don't have to worry. When Dr. Hudson was dying of cancer, he says, I want that song sung at my funeral. And so his daughters got the song from us and they, got, and they sung that song at his funeral. Look at letter A there. Death is a stubborn fact. Now, you may not know this. Now, these are some great statistics. One out of every one will die. Ten out of ten will die. What does that look like? A hundred percent? It looks almost like a hundred percent, don't it? That means every person in this room, whether we like it or whether we don't, this is why we trust Christ as our Savior, because death is on its way. We are going to die. And this is why we usually open a question with a lost man. Do you know where you're going when you die? And most people go, oh, I don't want to talk about death. But I bet most people in this room have some kind of life insurance. Why? Because you're going to die and you prepare a little bit for it. Some of you just can't wait to die so you can get all that insurance money. Only problem is it's the other person that gets it. Well, 10 out of 10 will die. One exception is if the rapture takes place. Look at the next statement. Death is an uncertain fact in timing. What do I mean by that? Death is a step away. Just one step between me and death. Not if, but when. If the Lord should tarry, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when will I die. And the thing is that you and I ought to be ready for that day by making sure that we're right with the Lord. Now, you may have trusted Christ as your Savior, and you think, well, I'm ready to go. But you do not want to be ashamed before Him at His coming or when you're going. That is coming or when you're going. Have you ever heard people say, I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker? Well, because they don't want to be taken under, they want to be taken up. And that's the reason. But it's uncertain how much time you have. Every one of us are to run our race. And running our race, as he says in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, we all do run. But we don't know where the finish line is. So in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, it also talks about as you run the race, lay aside every weight that does so easily beset us that we may run the race that is set before us. And Paul says that I may finish my course with joy, the race that God has set before him. Because when Paul got to the place where he was going to die, he made the statement. He says, I have kept the faith. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. He finished the race. If he finishes the race, then what does he mean to finish the race? Now he's going to retire for the next 15 years. 
Is that what it's? No, he's going to die. And he knew he was going to die. God had already told Peter that he was going to die and he was going to be carried where he didn't want to go. He was going to be crucified. And history says he was crucified upside down. I don't know. I wasn't there. But I don't care if history was right or wrong. He died. And that's the thing. Look at the next statement. Death is just a step away. Old men, young men, children and babies. They all die. They just had another bombing. I don't forget how many people just died and how many just got wounded. 159, I think, wounded. And I don't know, 70, 80 or so people got killed over in Afghanistan. And you never know when somebody's going to do something. You don't know how you're going to go or when you're going to go. But sooner or later, you know you're going. So the best thing to do is prepare ahead of time. Stay close to the Lord. So when the time comes, you can say, I have I fought a good fight. That time is now upon me. And I know that I'm going to be seeing Jesus pretty soon. Because it will happen. Look at the next statement. Death is a personal fact. Yea, though I, I, that's me, that's you. We know that everybody else in the world is going to die, but we're not planning on it ourselves. Right? We know the rapture could take place in a moment, and so it's not going to happen. I'm not going to die. I'm going to be alive when the rapture comes. Why? Because I said so. That ought to have some weight, right? I don't think so. Yea, though I, it's a personal thing. And when you die, nobody can do this in your place. You're, you're going to die. You can't get a substitute. Hey, I'm fixing to die. Warren, would you take my place? Wouldn't that be neat? I would go through each one in here <laughs> and let y'all die in my place so that I wouldn't have to go. Lord, I don't want to go right now. Would, would, you, uh, would, would you take uh, Tom? Tom, take Tom. I don't think it's going to be like that. Look at number two. Acknowledge death as a defeated foe. In other words, if it was a boxed-in canyon, then you could fear death. It means there's no way out. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead means that death is not a boxed-in canyon where there's no way out. His resurrection means that's not the end of it. It's just the beginning of a new life on the other side of this world in which we live. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. We must accept what we cannot change. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Christ defeated death in that he was able to come back from the dead. Death had no hold upon him. And he had the power to come back from it. And that power that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power, the Holy Spirit, that lives within each and every one of us. And we are going to be redeemed from this earth physically by our body. It's going to be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye. And you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, sealed until the day of redemption of this physical body. The next thing underneath this, there can be no valley without a mountain. Now, you've heard me before talk about Psalms 22, Psalms 23, Psalms 24. I've done it for communion services. When we talk about Psalms 22, 
We talk about the good shepherd. We talk about Psalms 23. We talk about the great shepherd. We talk about Psalms 24. We talk about the chief shepherd. And in every one of these, he is the shepherd. And the shepherd came in chapter 22 and gave his life for the sheep. And when he's coming back to the earth in power and great glory in chapter 24, that's Mount Zion. So you got Mount Calvary on one side and you've got Mount Zion on the other side. So the only one and the only way you can get the Son of God who died on Mount Calvary to come back on Mount Zion is that he had to come back from the dead. And so he is coming back. So between two mountains, you have a valley. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that I have already accepted the one that died on Mount Calvary. I'm looking for the one who's going to come back on Mount Zion. And in this life that we live, we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And of course, the shadow can't hurt you. Have you ever seen a shadow? Does it hurt you? No, but it sure scares me to death. I used to see shadows. The shadow knows. Anybody ever listened to the radio years ago? The shadow knows. Anybody in here ever heard that? And a few. That's the real old folks. They used to sit there and listen to that scary, the shadow knows. Oh, and scare you to death. And you'd be so scared you couldn't go to bed at night. And we'd just be little kids and we'd listen to it. But the shadow doesn't hurt you. And if there's going to be a shadow that you see, that means there has to be light somewhere that's casting the shadow. And so there's light on the other side of the shadow. Now, the next statement down here. The good shepherd died for me in Psalms 22. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The great shepherd is living for me. That's Psalms 22. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. I remember Dr. Cameron would always close his prayer quoting that verse in the book of Hebrews. And the chief shepherd is coming. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So we know that, yes, there's going to be death. When Christ died on Mount Calvary, there was death. But he came back again from the dead, sent it into heaven, and he's coming back again. You and I are not supposed to live our lives in the fear of death. When you can accept the fact that you may die, and you settle with that, you don't have to worry about it. Okay, I'm going to die. That's an accepted fact. Now go ahead and live your life and not fear death. Because the fear of death will keep you from doing a lot of things for the Lord that you probably wouldn't do if you didn't have fear. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of growing old. We're afraid of not having enough money. We're afraid that we're going to run out of life before we run out of money. Having too much month left at the end of the money. You've heard that before, right? So there's all kinds of fears that we have, but most of our fears come because we're afraid to die. We're just plain afraid to die. Accept it. You're going to die. And I don't mind it if I have to do your funeral. I just want to live long enough to bury everybody else, and then I'll be ready to go. 
I've often wondered if I died, who's going to do my funeral? I could have let my wife do it. Nah. I often wondered. I just settle it. I'll just have to live until the rapture. If that's what God wants, I'll do it. Look at the top of the page. Letter B, there can be no shadows without a light. Death is just a shadow for the believer. A shadow may frighten you, but it cannot hurt you. Jesus took the sting out of death, the gloom out of the grave, and the dread out of dying. Because Jesus knew what was before him, and he says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Because he was looking on the other side of the grave. You and I are to look beyond the grave, beyond death. We're all in a race, and we're running our race. We're finishing our course that God has for us. And we don't know where the finish line is. But if you're always running with your joy that you have between you and the Lord, and you know that day is coming, then you'll face it and not have to worry about it. Let it come. Just let it come. Now, look at the next statement. There is no evil. Let her see. There is no evil without a greater good. I love this statement. I love this statement. Now, this is also in Psalms 23, where it says, I will fear no evil. That's bad. And here's the reason why. There's a greater good. Thou art with me. In other words, the fear of evil, there's something better, is I've got the presence of God. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. David compares the evil with the greater good. Who is the thou art? That's the Lord. That's the Lord. Thou art with me. Therefore, I will fear no evil. So you don't have to be afraid. Look at number three. See death as a door to the future. A death as a door to the future. You got to go through that door. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 22, I want you to see these verses. There's two verses here. And I think it'd be good to look at 1 Corinthians and chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In verse 22, look what he says. Whether there's people or things, he says, all things are yours. Now, in this life that we live, he says, this life, write these three words down after these verses. For my benefit. For my benefit. So when you read verse 22 and 23, it's, for my benefit. He says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours for your benefit. You see, this life was designed for my benefit. God thought about me. But he didn't put me in this world just to be a, a nothing, a nobody, to do nothing, to account for nothing. But he did everything for my benefit. The beauty of this world, the beauty of a flower, was for my benefit. He has given us all things freely to enjoy for my benefit. So it's, whether it's people, I can look around and I can say, well, these three guys over here, they're here for my benefit. And they are benefiting me. Even back there, mister, he always called me mister. That's because he doesn't know my last name. 
But Steve Yent, he, he's here for my, he's my benefit. Jesse and his wife, they're for my benefit. Look at everybody, they're, they're benefiting me. I'm prospering. I'm getting something. I'm being blessed because of my benefit. At air, it was for my benefit. When I go to bed at night, this is for my benefit. When you eat that meal, that's for my benefit. Look how much God has given to you for your benefit. Each other. Do you know that all the problems you have, the temptations in life, everything is for your benefit? Because God is going to reward you for every victory you have. And you, like I mentioned a long time ago, when I first came here, I told you, well, what if I gave my wife $1,000 and told her to go buy anything she wants? And there was no stores. Here she sits with $1,000 to spend, and there's no stores. What is a store without a person with some money? It doesn't serve a purpose then. So you got to have somebody that's got some money, so you need a store that's got something to sell. Well, if there was no place to spend it, her money has no purpose. And see, when God put you in this life, you are valuable to the Lord and he gave you life to live. And your life that you live has value to it. So as you spend this day, you need to be buying something with that time. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Buying up every opportunity. Like, you know, 150 years ago when they had the land grab. Everybody's getting this property and this land, getting your quarter section and blah, blah, blah. Get as much as you can. As you are going through this life, all things are for your benefit. But isn't it a shame that some Christians will live their whole Christian life and not enjoy the benefits? Your heavenly father has given you the Holy Spirit for your benefit. He has given you this book for your benefit. Your very life is for your benefit. And then he also says something else is for your benefit. Look what he says. When he says there, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life, or what's the next word? Hmm? Death. Death is for your benefit. Because it ends the suffering of this life. If you know the Lord, death is a wonderful thing. Do you know the Bible also makes a statement? It says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Because God knows you've got to leave here to get there. And so we should not be afraid when you stop and think about it. That's in the 116th Psalm, by the way, the verse 15. Now, in the book of Philippians in chapter 1, in verse 21, Paul makes this statement, For me to live is Christ, and to die is, is gain. To die is gain. Now, Paul, as he lived his life, did all that he did, by all means possible, that he might gain the more. That he may win more souls. And he says, when I die, I gain. I want to live and gain and I want to die and gain. Look what I gain when I die. One of these days we're going to be with the Lord. 
here's a few things that you'll gain. You're going to gain physically, right? Because the body you have right now is not designed to last too long. And for some of us, it's, it might not last very long at all. Some of us may be moving out pretty soon. One of these days. It could happen at any time. So physically, you're going to get a new body fashioned like Christ's body. Intellectually, do you think you understand everything now? The day will come when you will really understand. Intellectually, I shall know even as I am known. Emotionally, do you think when we get to heaven, we're going to be emotionally shocked and shamed and feared and, you know, despair and we're going to go through all these emotions? I don't think so. There will be continually joy in heaven. And as it says in the 16th Psalm, pleasures forevermore. That's going to be good. Socially, do you realize the kind of people you're going to be around when you get to heaven? Just think about the person who dies and goes to hell. And if they could see and know everybody that's in hell, would you want to be there? Think about it. Let me give you a couple of names, though I'm just meaning it as a joke. You and Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell. I mean, wouldn't you like to be there with some of these people? No, I'm just being humorous. I don't know who's going to heaven and who's not. But think of all the wicked people that will be in hell, and then you would be there, and that's who your company's going to be. But I don't know if you'll ever see them. But you may hear them, because the Bible says there's no light there. They're like wandering stars in the midst of darkness forever. Socially, we are going to be with those who are perfect. Every one of us who trusted Christ as Savior, all of us, all the saints will be perfect in a perfect place for all eternity. So look what you're gaining by dying. Now, this message tonight is not designed for you to go home and take your life. Don't you blame that on me. I just want you to be glad that you're going to go to heaven when you die, but I'm not encouraging anybody to go against the will of God. Let God take you when you're ready. The next thing, spiritually remember, there will be no sinful nature. There will be no sin and have no more temptations, nor battles like that. Letter A down at the bottom. I will fear no evil. Why? Thou art with me. And this is the presence of the shepherd. The shepherd is always going to be present with you. Is he present with you right now? Yes, he is. He indwells you and he says, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. So you'll never have to worry about that. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It means he has the power that regardless of what the world fires at you, delivers to you, he has greater power. He has the rod, the staff to defend you. That's what a shepherd used to defend the sheep. When the wolves, the bears, whatever would lion, whatever would attack he can comfort you. He has the power over everything else in this world. So you have the power of the shepherd. The purpose of the shepherd, the reason for walking in this valley of the shadow of death is because it's not a dead end. He wants to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, through it. We can't go around it. We can't go over it. We can't go under it unless the rapture takes place. But if the rapture doesn't take place, we got to go through the valley of the shadow of death, through the valley, through it. 
And I believe that um, God will not fail us. He will do what he says he will do. And his resurrection is the proof that death is not a boxed-in canyon from which there is no return. There is life after death. There's victory after death. And whenever we leave this world, we'll be present with the Lord for all eternity. Look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me. The wallet represent sin. We all have sin upon us. Because the Bible says God loves us, but we have a sinful nature. And because we all sin, the wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth shall die. We'll all die, be separated from God for all eternity in a literal fire burning hell. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And so that's why, because we cannot save ourselves, we need a Savior. That's why Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came into the world, made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man by taking our sins, paying for them. That means he had to pay the sins of every man. Every man. It's not a limited atonement. It's every man. Came back from the dead and says the only thing we had to do is believe he did it for us. And he puts this payment to our account and we go to heaven on what Christ did for us. When you trust Christ as your Savior, maybe the idea of dying is, is far removed. This is like, okay, I got me some insurance for that day whenever it comes. And then we think little about it and just go ahead and live our lives. But as you get closer to the end, you're going to be so glad that day you trusted Christ as Savior was a reality. And you'll realize that was the greatest decision you ever made in your life. If trusting Christ was the greatest decision you ever made, then somebody witnessing to you was the greatest thing they ever did. True? So should we be soul winners? Yes. Because the day of our race is going to end. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Or maybe you've heard it over and over and over again. But you just never like to think about dying. But we're going to die. You're going to die. If you're watching by internet, same holds true for you. You cannot escape it unless the rapture takes place. But if you are to die today, are you ready? Are you prepared? If you have never trusted Christ as Savior, you are not prepared for death. Would you trust the Lord? Would you believe that when Christ died, he died for you? He loved you so much. Wants to give you as a free gift everlasting life. And if you'll believe it, he'll save you. Give you eternal life and you can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. Whether it's today or 20 years from now. Whenever you die, you can know I'm going to heaven. Because Christ died and paid for my sins. Would you trust him? I pray that you will. With heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust Him? And if you have trusted Him, are you afraid? Are you living in fear? Did you know that not to take God at His word is, well, as He said, and we talked about it this morning, the sin of unbelief, not taking God and believing what He said. That's why you'll find out over and over again in the Scripture, He says, be not afraid, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Why? Because we're afraid. And God wants us to learn to trust Him, believe Him, 
And I pray that some of the things that I've said will be a comfort to you. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all you've done for us. And for the word that you've given us that is just a value of the shadow of death. But you are going to see us through it. You'll never leave us and never forsake us. We're not alone. Thank you for your word and for the comfort that it brings. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.